0: Thank you for being here this morning to worship God and to praise his name. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to be present to guide and direct our thoughts, our presentation, and we pray that we will glorify you. In thy name we pray. Amen. I think that I should say to Bob, thank you for being here. And uh, I think that we should uh, ask all of you that have been elders in some church before, would you please stand? Yes, 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 yes. Mike? Okay. We're all elders. Thank you so much. Wow. Talking about a bunch of elders in this church. That's wonderful. And how many of you have been officers in some form or another in some church before and now? Would you please stand? great. I would say that that is almost unanimous. Thank you so much. So you know what it means. Did you know that in the Bible, and in our life, and in our story, that we have, we sort of have a foundation. It's just like a house, a foundation. We have the walls, And we have the top, we conclude with that, and we have a building. And we also are a temple for God and his Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that the Bible itself begins with, in the beginning, in the beginning, right at the very beginning, God. And you can read it various ways. In the beginning, in the beginning, God, In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You can read it various ways, but what a message within that first sentence. First verse, Genesis 1.1. And then we have how God created everything. And God made Adam and Eve in his image. Everything was perfect. And as we look at the perfection that God has made, He made it in the very presence known to one-third of the angels and Satan that fell. And you know what God has made. Everything will be destroyed. And made new. And all those that will be saved will see it made new. Right? Very interesting. So we have that choice. And I hope and pray that all of us will realize the seriousness of it. Did you know that you and I have had quite a variety? of experiences. And those experiences are what makes us actually aware that we are who we are. So what happens when you experience disappointment as Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden when they chose to literally trust more in Lucifer than in God himself. All right? So what happens when you experience discouragement and disillusionment in life? And all of us go through it one way or another. How do you move forward? when the negatives seem to overweigh the positives. And we've all seen that in life, one way or another. What should you do when you have lost your passion to go to work, to get up in the morning, and in some cases, to even live? How do we reach out? How do we cope with it? And today, as we share, you will be able to think of your own experiences one way or another. And you need to do that. Because as we conclude, we will conclude with something very, very important. All of us were born All of us know what it's like to be a part of a family. All of us know what it is like to be in school for the first day. We know what it means to be a student later and graduate from grade whatever, 12. We have been aware of that. And we know what types of experiences we had even before that. And some of us even know what to be bull- how, how it is to be bullied. And those of you who have gone to public schools know more so because there it's much more prevalent than it is in Seventh-day schools or in Christian schools. So we, we know what life is really like. And as students, most of us know what it means to be a student, to be in college, to have no money, to come from a family where dad and mom can't support us as it was in our case with 14 children. I mean, things were really tough. And I know what it means to have to work hard to be able to go to school. I also know what it's like to finally come from Canada and go to La Sierra College. And one of the reasons I came to La Sierra is because Elaine, at that time was my girlfriend, she went to Loma Linda. And I thought, you know, maybe it'd be worthwhile to be kind of close. Uh, and uh, she can tell you stories of what some of the girls in the dormitory taking nursing uh, simply said. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I know what it means to actually be at my graduation and have absolutely no brother or sister or father or mother present when I graduated. And I was the first one in our family to graduate with a BA. All the rest never even have gone to school or, or, or that far in school. And I saw how many students graduated and their father and mother were there and all the relatives were there and they hugged each other and they were so happy. And there I was looking around to see who else. Of course, Elaine was there for my graduation. But you see what I mean? It was one of those things that you just are not sure and so many discouragements come And we have to look at it that way because sure, I was happy to graduate, but there was a lot of other things that could have made me much happier, but they didn't. I know what it means to uh, finally ask Elaine if we can get married. and uh, she tells me that I took a long time to ask. (laughs) She almost told me, get to the point. (laughs) I was beating around the bush and around the bush, and finally I asked her and she said, why, of course. And we got married. What a wonderful day it was. And I think most of us remember that day of those of us who are married and those that aren't married, you can look forward to that day and make it a very happy, meaningful day. I know what it means to graduate and then go to my first district as a pastor. Whoa. Did you know that I was not hired as a regular intern with full salary. I was hired to canvas to make a living Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I was a pastor and I had a district of 300 miles by 200 miles with three churches and two companies. If you think I didn't get discouraged several times, wow. I know what it means to have 64 below zero Fahrenheit and a house where we only had we only had electricity, no running water. That was the first house that we owned. Was it easy? No. Was it nice that Elaine and I were there? Yes. I know what it means to go to camp meeting, and as soon as we got back from camp meeting to our house, all at once, I got sick. I was 23 years old, Elaine was 21, and I got sick, and I was sick, every day and getting worse and worse and worse. It was very, very discouraging. I couldn't understand why. And then finally my temperature began to go higher and higher and higher. And finally it came to the place where I was running a fever, believe it or not, of 105. And Elaine knew that this was serious. We couldn't even go to the hospital because the hospitals were full of patients. And did you know that finally Elaine decided to give me hot and cold fomentations to bring down my fever? Because it was up to 105, 106, and she knew that it was serious. I was almost delirious, I didn't even know it was happening. And did you know that she began to give fomentations? One fomentation, two that's hot and cold, two. Nothing was happening. And then the third one, she gave me another fomentation. And she knew by then, because she took that training, she knew by then that I should be perspiring I was not perspiring at all. I was even hotter than I was before. So she prayed, wondering whether she should give me one more. She gave me one more. Nothing happened. I was just getting hotter. And then she finally prayed, and she knew that she should give me one more. And she gave me one more fomentation, and I began to perspire to the place where I was wet all over. Drops of sweat were on my arm to where you can almost jar it a little bit and it would fall down. I was perspiring, 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 perspiring. I drank over a pail of water. Remember, there's no running water. We had a pail of water that I drank for that night. And the next morning, when I woke up and Elaine took my temperature, it was 96, Dropped right down, what a blessing. And we were quite pleased because I finally was kind of over it. The hospitals were full of patients and uh, the Victorian order of nurses were coming to our house and they were giving me penicillin shots and whatnot. And a few months later, I uh, got the itch And it was so severe that I literally squeezed my hands back and forth until I rubbed off the skin from my fingers. That's how itchy it was. And uh, we went ahead and met a seventh evidence doctor about a month or two later and explained to him what we went through. Because we were very discouraged realizing that I was so sick. And did you know that we explained to him, and he said, you know what? You are allergic to penicillin. Don't ever take penicillin again. So on my chart, I'm allergic to one thing, penicillin. And did you know something else? The doctor, when he heard all that I said, he said, you know, that very night, that your wife gave you fomentations was the night that you would have been paralyzed because you had polio. Amazing how God was able to spare my life at that young age. And had I got polio, I would have been paralyzed I had polio, but I wasn't paralyzed, evidently. And as a result, the doctor did tell me that he says, somewhere along the line, before you die, you're gonna have a very severe back because you had polio, but you weren't paralyzed. I don't know whether that's scientific or not, but that's what happened. So you see, as I share this with you, you're thinking of the struggles that you have had in life. All because Adam and Eve have sinned. We have inherited that sin. And instead of having Eden and eternal life, we have to struggle with all these problems. And then after being there for five years, would you believe it? I've had a call to go to... Uh, Oh, incidentally, uh, as I canvassed, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I was a pastor. Uh, I didn't have one day off, Uh, so I was really busy. Uh, Did you know that uh, there were times where we ran out of gasoline for the car, and uh, we didn't have money to buy it? I still remember one time, Elaine, remember when we were driving home and we ran out of gas about 20 miles away. So I drove into a farm yard and I asked the man if I can borrow some gasoline. And he said, sure, I'll give you gasoline. So he gave us gasoline and I said, now, I don't have any money, but I'll, I'll, I'm driving by here. I'll, I'll bring it to you next week. And he said, oh, no, don't worry about paying me for it. I just use tractor gas, so it'll be all right. Don't worry about it. Uh, so it's, it's amazing uh, how sometimes you get certain blessings that are a little cheerful, but what we have to go through is just unbelievable. And then I had a call to go to another church. And when I accepted that call to another province, to another state as it were, and uh, I arrived there and was just unpacking the goods uh, from the truck that we borrowed from a farmer to move the few little things we had. Would you believe it? Uh, just before we unloaded everything, what do you think happened? I got a phone call. The house that I was moving into uh, belonged to somebody and I just the phone was still there and the phone rang and here it was the conference president telling me, do not unload, please do not unload. And I said, well, I'm almost half finished. He says, don't take anything else off. He says, I want you to be in the office next day, please come. So I came there and he said, you know, we have changed our minds in the conference and we want you to go to the capital city to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada and be the pastor there they need a church, uh, they, we have the blueprints, but we want you to be the pastor and help them build a church. Did you know something? I looked at the, pa- at the president and I said to him, I didn't accept a call to Edmonton, I accepted a call to Lethbridge, and you went through Lethbridge as you went there, Tom, and, uh, uh, and he said, uh, yes, you accepted a call to, to, to Lethbridge, that's where we were going to put you, but you accepted a call to to Alberta conference. Now we decide where you go. Well, I didn't know. I have learned real fast. So then I went ahead and uh, met him. And he told me, here are the blueprints. We want you to go there. And uh, to be frank with you, the best church that I ever pastored was Lethbridge. I only spent one night there. And the people were so good. I had no trouble of any kind, no committee meetings, nothing. It was great, unbelievable. So you have to look at it from both sides. So yes, the church there, we had a 500 seating church building program and we also had a church school that we built. It was all done in three years. The people were so good, so wonderful and it was a wonderful experience. And did you know that I was pushed ever since I graduated to a responsibility that I never, ever felt comfortable in doing because I never felt that I was educated enough or qualified enough to do it. So I finally wanted to go back to school because once I I, uh, was baptized, in three years, I became a pastor, an intern. That's fast, and I knew nothing about the Bible. In fact, when I went to Canadian Union College, at the very school where I had my first Bible class, would you believe it? The teacher there said, would you please open your books to the book of uh, Genesis? And uh, I thought it was a catch question. So I thought, you know, the Bible has so many books, I wonder if I can find Genesis. And I couldn't find Genesis. Do you know that most people don't know what is in Genesis? That's why I refer to Genesis a lot because that's the foundation of who we believe in and why we are here. So would you believe it? I asked for the privilege of going to school and get more education. I have asked the conference five times to be relieved to go back to school, and they refused five times. Do you think I was discouraged? I finally, because I was pushed, in fact, from Edmonton, they put me in the conference office to be in charge of Sabbath school, church ministries, public relations, TV and radio. I've never done that before, and here was asked to do it. And then from there, I was asked to go to another conference to do the same thing in Ontario, the biggest conference. Did you know that the distance that I had in that conference, Ontario-Quebec conference, was between the, the church that was way out in the east to the church that was in the west was further than from the conference office to Miami Beach, Florida. That's how big Canada is. And I was so... Busy, 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 busy. And I asked even that conference to go back to school and they said, no. You know what I did? I literally chose, as discussed with Elaine, to go to school without any help from anybody and we went back to La Sierra to get my master's in education. Do you think it was easy to go with three children, with no salary? I decided to go because I knew that I needed more education, more experience, and so forth. So we went there. And uh, did you know that just before I graduated, I had nowhere to go. Even I was graduating with a master's in public, uh, in master's in education. Nowhere to go. I wasn't hired anywhere. Do you think I had a real problem? And I prayed to God Lord, I'm getting an education to get more experience, to know better how to handle things, and as a pastor or a teacher, whatever. And did you know I waited and waited, and nobody called. Nobody asked me to take a church or to go and teach, and then all at once, I got a phone call to go to Canada and be the chairman of the theology department where I went to check it out, and I had to teach in the same class where I didn't know where Genesis was. It's amazing how God pushes us to the limits, and you know what I'm talking about because you all have had various experiences that you can remember, recall, and there it is. So, what do you think that I have learned from all this? These, these are the things that we go through and we learn so much. So I'm gonna go down the list to show you some of the things that I have learned. And that is that when you deal with people, you can deal only with your side of the fence Changing others is not in your control. Whether it's a group of people, a committee, a conference, or what? You only have to deal with yourself. And this is where Micah 7.7 says, Therefore I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the Lord of my salvation. My God will hear me. And God always hears you. So, six lessons I'm going to share with you. Number one, I have learned from all these experiences that I am worth everything to God. Everything to God. You are worth everything to God. If you were the only person that needed salvation Christ would have come just for you. So you are worth everything to God no matter what may happen to you or to other members of your family or to whoever. Keep in mind that God loves you and has done everything to save you. I've learned something else, that my worth is not based on what I do. My God loves me not because I am doing things that pleases him. My value is not based on the fact that I am a pastor. And before that, I was a church member. Before that, I wasn't a church member. Before that, I was in a Catholic college for two years. God loved me even then. God loves everyone upon the face of this earth. And sometimes we forget that. And when we forget that, hope is almost gone. You see, God doesn't love me because I preach or because I'm here and God doesn't love you because of what you're doing. It is because he is that kind of a God. That is his character. Why do I mention this to you? Is because you may be amazed how many times you and I forget the value that God places on us. Not because of what we do, but because of the fact that God is who he is. He created you and he wants you to know that he loves you and he will take care of you. Number two. I need to protect my daily devotional life at any cost. Because if God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life, if God so loves me, I better make sure that I have that relationship with Him, that I can love Him and appreciate what He has done for me. Otherwise, his love to me may just not save me because of my own choice if I don't respond to him. Number three. You may be surprised. My relationship to my wife is number three. I've learned that. It's important. Not because she has, as it were, saved my life in giving me fomentations, but because we made a commitment to each other. And that's important. If I and my wife are not Together and not loving each other and not supporting each other, we're of no value to you folk. Because I I don't understand and you don't see it in us, and I'm more of a detriment than I am of a blessing. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Did you know that some of the things that I've learned, and that is that we can be so thankful, no matter what it takes, I need to protect time with Elaine. You need to make time with your wife, with your husband, with your family, because that is very, very important to have that relationship. When my relationship with my spouse is positive, it gives me a foundation for handling my own frustrations and the frustrations of being a pastor. Very important, very important. Number four, do you know what you were like when you were a teenager? You had vigor and vitality and you sort of just had a vision in life. You were happy to go to school. You were happy to do this, happy to do that. And even though you've had certain problems while you're going through that experience, but you had a passion to live, to life wake up in the morning and you sort of felt like it was worth waking up. Well, my passion must be restored. I remember the excitement that I had when I was driving all the way from La Sierra to my district in Prince Albert. And Elaine and I were just driving together looking forward to that beginning, to where we were only getting $60 a month for pastoring that big district of two by 300 miles, three churches, two companies. And we were looking forward to it. Why not? That's a vision that I had to be a pastor. You had a vision to be who you are and what you wanted to do. And some of you are still enjoying the very thing you're doing and having a wonderful time. You have been restored in that passion to do what you wanted to do and uh, what God gave you talents to do. And we had that experience, and it was a good one. Now, there are more positives than negatives in your life. Did you know that? Because God is in charge of your life. But there are negatives too. But the positives outweigh the negatives. So maybe we should dwell more on the positive things. And the best way to do that is various ways. But I want to tell you something, how blessed I was when I tuned in and I listened to the story that Alicia gave last Sabbath. I couldn't be here. I wanted to be here because you hear it, but when you see the person sharing, what a blessing it is. And I happened to listen uh, through the website And what a story. What a story. And you know, all of us have stories. And you have to think more of the positive things of how God has led you, not how the devil has tried to discourage you or lead you. So your life story is very, very, very important. And some of you that think that you don't have a life story, if you think you don't have a life story, you're not thinking. I'm sorry. You better think. And think hard to realize how God has led you. Did you know that Alan White said this? We have nothing to fear. What? We have nothing to fear? and yet men's hearts are failing them for fear, for not knowing what's going to happen. You have nothing to fear for the future, except as we forget the way the Lord has led us in our past history. There's where you have the past, the present, is you realizing that you have nothing to fear. Unless you forget how God has led you in the past. You have nothing to fear of the future. And your future, my dear friends, is not just the next month, the next year, if time should last that long. But your future is eternity. You either make it or you don't. And we have nothing to fear for the future, except as we forget the way the Lord has led us and uh, in our past history. So remember your story. Every one of you have a story. And if something happens that you should have your last breath, you cannot share your story anymore. So Lisa, Alicia, I'm here to tell each one of you that we want you to begin to think of how God has led you in the past and share it some way or another and we'll make sure that you have that privilege of sharing. If Alicia can do it, anybody can do it. And Alicia, you know that, right? She's she's, she's in the kitchen, she's sitting there and she's making sure that you have something to eat because that's important. So, where do we go from here? These are the lessons that I learned from the valley of my discouragements and lessons that I've learned from how God has led me in the past. In the work that I chose to serve him in, the talents that God has given me, the experiences that God has given me. So, uh, May I just read in the Bible uh, two uh, particular verses, and uh, see if you are willing to turn into the Bible. And, uh, and here it is, Romans 5, uh, verse 1 to 5. And that will be my conclusion. Are you ready? It says, therefore, being justified, Romans 5, 1 to 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Good? Wonderful. What a message. Let's read number two. By whom also we have access by faith into into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Come on. Now this is written after the fall of Adam and Eve, after sin entered. And here it says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Did you know there's some things that have happened to me that I literally prayed to God and I said, Lord, I hope it never happens to me again. It was hard to go through it. But I had to pray honestly, sincerely, and I prayed, and Lord, if I don't learn something from this experience, let it happen again. So we have to learn, learn, learn. Tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Number four. And patience, experience. And experience hope. And the hope maketh not ashamed. Because I, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto you and hope maketh not ashamed. Did you know that Romans 1 16 says for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. That's why Alicia wasn't ashamed. That's why you're not ashamed. You shouldn't be ashamed of the way God has led you even through tribulation. You know, I'm going to go ahead, I read what I did from the uh, uh, King James, and I'm gonna go ahead and read it from the New King James. And you watch what it says here. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have access by faith. Unto this grace in which we stand. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that. But we also glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation proceeds. Perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Was it a couple of Sabbaths ago we had a discussion, and you folk, somebody said that the only thing we can take with us to heaven is what? Did you know that you have the privilege of deciding what experiences you're gonna go through? And God allows some experiences to have you go through? And you're the one that decides how you will relate to those experiences? And that determines your character? I shared with you. And if you feel like you would like to someday or even shortly, let me know how you have experienced as I shared with you what you thought of in your experience. Feel free to do that. Because we're here to help each other, encourage each other, and make sure that God's will is done in our life. But never forget how God has led you in the past, is leading you now, and will lead you until you see him face to face. How many of you? are so happy that God is leading you and that you have gone through so many experiences that develop your character and that you want to do God's will so that you can see him face to face. Would you please stand and say, Lord, I give myself and my will to you. Help me as I go through all the experiences in life. Our Heavenly Father, we have stood and we chose to stand because we again acknowledge you as the one who has advised us that we should not be ashamed of what we've gone through in life, but glorify your name because you are guiding, leading us in such a way that we will see you face to face and have eternal life as we trust in you fully. So we pray for every person who has been in this church totally awake, realizing that you are guiding, and we do not want to forget how you've guided us through everything in life so far. And we pray that as we're guided and as we follow that you will guide us in such a way that we will have the experience to develop the character that will be safe to save throughout eternity. So bless each one of us and help us. And we pray for the food that we're going to partake. And we pray that as we sit across each other, as we eat, that we will share our experience of how God has led us in various ways in our life. And we will not be ashamed to do that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.